Hi, I'm Mike Rueda, and welcome to Leveling the Playing Field, a podcast where I explore topics relevant to those who make a career out of their talent. My guests, who are experts in their field and advisors of successful artists, entertainers, and athletes, will share professional insight and personal experiences, which I hope you find helpful and interesting. So thank you for listening, and enjoy. Ryan Robichaud is a senior manager in the Business Management and Family Office Services Division at Armonino LLP. Ryan's clients include musicians and other entertainers and performers in the music and film industry. Ryan, welcome, and it's a pleasure to finally have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for taking the time uh, to speak with me today. I've been looking forward to this for, for a while. Um, and why don't we jump right into it? Why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Uh, tell me about your practice and how it developed. Sure. Um, so I've been uh, with Armanino LLP just a short while. Um, previously, I was at Prager Meta CPAs uh, for the last two years, and we just fully integrated with Armanino in July of this year. So it's been it's been a great transition period. You know, the the culture um, that they've cultivated there is fantastic, and the uh, bevy of services that we're able to supply to our clients right now. Um, is, is a lot more of an offering that I've been used to in the past. So it's, it's been a nice transition. Um, I started, you know, primarily dealing with music clients, um, you know, about 12 years ago. Uh, and since then have kind of grown to do high net worth individuals, people in the film and television space, um, athletes. But I would say that my bread and butter is still predominantly music, it's a space that I like, um, and certainly, you know, aspire to kind of continue to be a part of. Um, specific to Armanino LLP, you know, they've got uh, your full-fledged CPA services, um, you know, a full royalty audit department, um, the business management group, domestic and international tax capabilities, brand and IP valuations. So, you know, really it's kind of an, uh, a one-stop shop when it comes to anything, you know, financial for our clients, which has been great. Uh, one of the other things I'd like to highlight is the fact that we are a B Corp. Um, not a lot of large corporations, you know, oh, wow. are kind of taking care of this. So it's nice, you know, especially to kind of take, you know, the profit and growth within a company and really put it back into your employees, you know, uh, the environment and your community. And so that's one thing that really kind of drew the partners into forming that partnership, you know, with uh, Armanino from the start. Um, you know, it, it's been a great place to be so far. That's interesting. I didn't know that about Armanino. Um, so you work with uh, artists at different stages in a career. Can you tell me a little bit about how your role differs for someone uh, that is uh, at the start of a career versus someone who has a more established career? Sure. I'd say that, you know, I very much do enjoy working with people at the start of their careers. Uh, part of the thing you're able to do is really establish good saving habits. And I would say that's the number one thing if you're just starting out your career is, you know, building that savings early, realizing that tax is a very big part of the uh, outflows that are going to come out of your account, as well as your, you know, commissions and the, the rest of your payments to your team. Um, so I, I usually tell people just as a blanket reference, you know, it's not always, you know, going to be this way across the board, but to really try and put away 40% of your gross earnings for tax, right? Um, you know, especially when you're dealing with athletes, you know, athletes come out the door, say I'm making a million dollars. Great. I can go and buy mom and dad a house. I can do this from the get go. Well, 
Uncle Sam is going to take half of that million dollars. So you're really playing with 500 grand now at that point. So I think, you know, really having that frugal spending from the start of a career, you know, I think is a, is a big advantage for a lot of people. Um, and you're also, you know, learning kind of these different, I would say, um, you know, buzzwords within the industry. Um, yeah. You know, some people are used to saying profit and loss, cash flow, balance sheet, you know, a lot of young, you know, either athletes, musicians, actors, you know, that's not the language that they speak. So I think, you know, familiarizing yourself with each one of this, these different reports is, you know, really important. And also that's, that's a conversation you're supposed to have with your accountant to say, you know, I need this to be in a format that I can digest it, that I can understand it. If you get show a 19 year old, you know, musician, a 45 page financial statement, that's not going to necessarily resonate with them and doesn't really help them, you know, achieve their goals at the end of the day in a meaningful way. Um, so I would say, you know, from, from the get-go is just really educating yourself from, from the clients at the beginning of their career, um, making sure that you understand, you know, what's going on. And if there's a number that doesn't make sense or a policy that doesn't make sense, you know, speak up, say something. It's when you don't say something that this becomes a slippery slope and you're not really getting all the information that you're supposed to versus an established, you know, um, you know career, you know, musician, actor, what have you. Um, they're, they're getting a little bit different reporting, maybe some more dynamic reporting, but at the end of the day too, you need to also make sure you understand what's going on because frankly, your numbers are probably going to be bigger than most. So mm -hmm. if you're dealing with, you know, looking at the end of the tour and you see just a production cost, that's millions of dollars. Say, what is that? What, what makes up this big number that's here? I don't understand. Or, you know, expense reimbursements that are in there for several hundred thousand dollars. Well, who am I reimbursing for their expenses? You know, is this part of the agreement that we made with them? You know, what really is, you know, leaving my account and understanding, you know, the scope of your assets and your liabilities, I think is really important for established tax. Also understanding, you know, really the tax implications that you have. If you're a touring artist and you're touring in, you know, 30 states throughout the course of the year, realizing that, you know, maybe not in all of them, but likely you will have to do a tax return for a lot of those states, you know, making sure, you know, your representatives, make sure you're registered to do business in each one of those different states so you don't get hit with unnecessarily interest and penalties kind of at the end of the day there. I think, I think it's very important. You know, established acts also have payroll. You know, a lot of the time they have team members that are a part of there that you don't necessarily have at the beginning of your career. Um, and making sure that you're doing all of that correctly and by the book. You know, each state is different in terms of what they mandate in terms of payroll. So I say it's really important to just make sure that you're um, compliant with everything that you're kind of supposed to on that end. Um, you might also have quarterly estimates that are due and need to make sure that you cut yourself a payroll if you're set up with a corporation, you know, on a quarterly basis uh, and take advantage of being able to do so when cash flow kind of permits. Um, just to take a step back, and it's a question I get asked quite often about what I do, and, and it comes up with, you know, with the people I work with as well. What is, how does your, your role fit with, uh, you know, someone in the talent space who has an agent, a financial advisor, maybe a lawyer, what, you know, how does your role fit among those, uh, different advisors? Um, is it, does it tend to be more of a day-to-day -day thing or is it 
sort of a role that's reserved for different, you know, uh, very active points in the year? Or is it like what I do, highly dependent on the particular client who may, uh, you know, require you to be involved more regularly as or others who, you know, are, you know, the touching base is, is much less frequent? I'd say that that's a great question. I think it's kind of two parts, right? You know, I think the role of a business manager, as I like to put it, is we're really your financial firewall. So mm-hmm. anything that you have going on in your, you know, career at this point in time, you know, I'd much rather be asked by a client, you know, can I do something as opposed to I did something, let's make it work. Right. So I feel like anything that is a question that kind of comes by, whether it be, you know, uh, an insurance question that comes up, you know, if we need to refinance a mortgage, if you mm-hmm. need to find a, a a babysitter out in California that's reputable for high net worth individuals, you know, really a business manager's job is is in conjunction with all the people that you mentioned, right? Your, right. your lawyer, your financial advisor, agent manager, you know, it's really important that all of us are communicating together because my job is mostly the day-to-day, right? So we mm-hmm. have a lot of the accounts payable, the accounts receivable for our clients, especially in the entertainment industry. And that can be, you know, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars going in and out of the account every single day. Um, so managing those cash flow, flow expectations with the rest of the team is really critical. So if a financial advisor is expecting that there's gonna be a million dollars, coming their way on a quarterly basis and I get in touch with them and say, well, they've been overspending. They don't have that money kind of available. And I do it two weeks after these people were supposed to get funded while I'm not really doing my job correctly now. (laughs) So I think it's really important uh, to be proactive, you know, as a business manager and, and really establish kind of good cash flow habits from the get go. And look, you know, last year was very difficult for a lot of our clients in terms of managing their cash flow. Mm-hmm. Um, but that constant communication with management to say, hey, look, it looks like six months down the line, we're going to be running really short here on funds. You know, what have you been hearing within the industry if, you know, physical touring is not going to be or in-person touring isn't going to be an option? Is there something that we can take a look at? Maybe a social media post, you know, is there branded content opportunities, things like that to maybe mm-hmm. generate money? And so I think being part of the day-to-day really in the thick of it, you know, we do the accounts payable, the accounts receivable, we do the tax returns, but it's also our job to quote unquote, know a guy at the end of the day. So (laughs) when you do have something that comes up that says, look, I'm looking for a specific jeweler out in California, you know, or I am looking for somebody to um, set up property and casualty insurance, you know, out in North Carolina or, you know, a, somebody who is a, um, unfortunately, like a divorce attorney, marriage attorney, yeah. whatever it might be. You know, it's our job to really cultivate those relationships with reputable people in the industry um, that are knowledgeable about, you know, music and film and TV in particular, um, and get those kind of relationships available to give several options to our clients to say, mm-hmm. you know, I've known this person X amount of years. They're great at what they do. Um, there's three of them here. You know, let's take a meeting with each one of them to really figure out what's the best fit for you, personality-wise, expertise-wise, and field of expertise, and go from there. So it's um, we're really an integral part of the day-to-day um, that kind of goes on a little bit more behind the scenes than you might realize, yeah, yeah. but are very active on a day-to-day basis. That's a, that's a really helpful explanation. Uh, you mentioned, you know, working with artists, performers, 
athletes and then also working with, uh, you know, uh, non-talent type clients. What are some of the unique challenges faced by your, by the artists and uh, athletes, other performers that you work with that maybe the ultra high net worth clients you have that aren't in that industry uh, might face? Um, I would say the difference in handling them is really the difference between running a brand mm-hmm. and running a family office, I think is the biggest distinction, right? Mm-hmm. Normally, if I were to take a high net worth individual, you know, they might have their own business that they run, or they could just be, you know, a normal W-2 employee at the end of the day, maybe several properties that they might need to manage for the ultra high net worth. Um, maybe they do have family wealth that kind of comes down. So a lot of that uh, day-to-day interaction is usually, you know, bill pay, accounts receivable. Um, but it's also, I think, more of a dynamic reporting when it does come to their overall wealth. Because some of these people might want in-depth financial analysis of how their investments have been doing over the course of, let's say, a five-year period from a very, very basic level. You, you can go to your financial advisor to get kind of the, the nitty-gritty and more specifics. But usually they just want to see, okay, I want to see my overall financial picture what, what's kind of going on, what we're doing versus somebody in the entertainment industry, you know, their business is their brand. Right. So if you take, you know, most actors, you know, are set up with an S-corp. Once you've kind of reached a certain um, a level of success in your career, um, all of the business expenses are kind of being funneled through there. You know, we're really um, focused on maintaining, you know, clean books and records for those corps. Um, some people, especially in music, have multiple entities, you know, um, especially in the music industry when you've got, you know, maybe one that houses your publishing company, one that houses your touring entity, one that's for, you know, uh, different properties that you might have purchased or your inter- uh, your IP, you know, could be in another one there. Um, so I think there's definitely more going on in the talent space um, just in terms of overall maintenance that's needed, you know, really on a, on a day-to-day basis, I would say. And truthfully, most high net worth individuals don't necessarily need business management at the end of the day. So what's nice with a company at Armanino is we're able to offer, you know, different types of services and different tiers. And a lot of companies do the same. Um, so for us, if a high net worth individual is generally on top of their bill pay um, and their bookkeeping, they might just need, you know, quarterly financials done. They need somebody to do their taxes at the end of the year. They might just need consulting, you know, on an hourly basis that's there, but they don't necessarily need to prescribe to a full bevy of business management services because it might not be right for them. But people in the entertainment industry, I think a lot of them hire us, one, out of necessity because the job needs to get done at the end of the day. And two, it allows them to do what they're best at doing, you know, creating, you know, uh, right. you know, being being an athlete and performing. You know, whatever that is, you know, they don't want to have to take that pressure of the day-to-day of, okay, did I pay this person? Is my rent done? Are my utilities done? Did I pay my agent manager on X, Y, Z? Um, it's really taking that kind of off of their plate and uh, doing what we do best. That's, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you, you've discussed working with artists quite a bit. Um, do you have any words of wisdom for artists that are just getting started in their careers? Yeah, I think, you know, I mentioned earlier, just in terms of the saving, um, I think that's, you know, paramount, you know, we never want our clients to be that type who, you know, has made, you know, millions of dollars throughout their career, but then all of a sudden, you know, five years down the line in their prime, they don't have anything 
something and they look up and say, well, where did all my money go? Mm-hmm. And you say, well, I've been sending you reports on a monthly basis. You haven't been engaging. You know, you're, you're not really paying attention to what you're doing. So I'd say that, frankly, those are the best types of, of clients that we have. And I think uh, the, the most ideal scenario is that you're, you know, in sync with your business manager, with your, you know, um, accountant, whatever it might be to understand from an educational perspective, you know, what exactly is going on here? I have a question about this. You know, part of our job is, you know, we're constantly questioned about who we are, what we're doing for our clients. And that's a good thing. You know, it's when you hear crickets from your clients that you're saying, okay, is what I'm doing really providing them with what they asked at the beginning of the engagement? So I think it's extremely important to come to a meeting with your accountant or your business manager with a goal. You know, if I have somebody that says, okay, great, I'm going to make a million dollars this year, roughly half is going to go outside for tax. What's my goal with the next $500,000? If they say, I want to have at least $200,000 in the bank by the end of the year, great. You know, our job is to then curate a budget for that individual and keep them honest about it on a monthly basis and send them an actualized budget on a monthly basis. And if they do go over their budget one month, is it the end of the world? Probably not but it all ties into the goal at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So if I go to somebody and say, Hey, look, you spent $10,000 on shoes this month. It was a, it was a, it was a good one for you, but you know, you did want to go on this trip at the end of the year. So unless spending changes or unless, you know, there's an influx of income, all things being consistent, you know, we're going to need to cut back these next couple of months to make sure that you hit your goal at the end of the year. Um, I do think communication is is a big, big part of, of starting out and communicating with your, if you're in the music industry, with your manager, especially, um, kind of with your agent, um, communicating with your financial advisor and really building your own relationship with a lot of these people. Um, sometimes, you know, if you deal with just one person all of the time, you know, there's a tendency to have bias around their, their thoughts or an agenda around what they're doing. Um, and I've seen, you know, several people unfortunately being mishandled by one of the members of the groups that we've just mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really important to establish, you know, your own relationships with a lot of those people from the start. Um, I would say trust your team, but also you want to be, um, you want to get clarity at the end of the day yeah. about what's going on. So if you're speaking with, you know, your financial advisor and they say, hey, we're putting you into XYZ, you want to go back and say, well, what does that mean? What does that mean for my entire portfolio? You know, Ryan and his team are telling me I put me to put away this for tax. You know, I want to get into this kind of investment or I want to get into crypto or get into real estate. You know, whatever that might be, it needs to come back to your your plan at the end of the day. And it needs to be something that you understand. Um, so I think it's 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 really important to kind of get to get clarity. And what a lot of other, you know, artists just starting out don't realize is you really need to build up your credit as well. Mm -hmm. Credit is extremely important when you're starting out. Um, For example, if you're an NBA player who's, you know, just signed your rookie contract and then you decide, okay, great. Now I need to get an apartment in Los Angeles. Well, if you've only had a debit card for your entire career because you're, you know, 17, 18 years old some of the time and you don't have established credit, you're going to go and rent an apartment. They're going to say, well, we don't have a credit history for you. You know, we're not necessarily going to turn you away because we know who you are, but now I need to negotiate a, you know, six month, uh, 
you know, security deposit on an apartment yeah. just because you weren't proactive about kind of getting credit from the start. Um, so it's really important, I'd say, to even if it's just small credit cards, put your Spotify, you know, subscription or Netflix on it and just put it on an auto pay on a monthly basis. You'll build up that credit history so that when it does come time for you to, you know, purchase a home at some point in time that you've already built up this good credit history from the start. So I'd say that the sooner you can start doing that, the better. Um, And realize that if you are in a place where, you know, you don't have the best credit, you know, established, if you're an established musician and you do need to get it repaired, there are plenty of companies out there who can help you do established credit repair so that you can be proactive before it comes down to, you know, purchasing the home. Anything like that, so yeah. that would just be a couple things. Nice. I'll say this: your, uh, you know, your budgeting goal advice is something we could all use. <laughs> At least Seriously. I can for sure. Um, oh, myself included. <laughs> uh, you've been doing this for quite a while now. What uh, What do you enjoy most about the role you play for your clients? Um, I would say I really enjoy, you know, being a part of the team. I think that if you have a client who thinks of you as a vendor, mm-hmm. you know, you don't really have as great of a relationship as you think you do. So I would say that somebody who really appreciates you as being a part of the team, you know, in conjunction, like I said, with, you know, your attorney, your manager, your agent, what have you, you know, if you're a valued member of the team, you, you know, I don't want to be an email address. I don't want to just be a phone number. You know, I'm a person right. and, you know, I really do enjoy the relationships that I get to have with people where it is that way. You know, I've got a client of mine who's getting married in April that I'll be attending his way. You know, when you have that kind of close relationship, uh, I think it's, it's really special. Um, then it just isn't all business all the time. You know what I mean? And I do think that especially this past year during the pandemic, I do think that a lot of some of the expectations that clients have, of their financial team or their legal team, whatever it might have, I think it came back down to more of a realistic sense of expectation. I think the, I need this yesterday mentality that happens all the time, you know, in in the entertainment industry and and outside of the entertainment industry, I think it became a little bit more laxed where they realize, well, you know, I can't physically get into the office. I have a limitation of, of where I am. I'm not able to go and knock down the doors of a bank to get something done. I have to deal with limited staff. You know, we're dealing with um, a, a lot of financial hardship across the board. And so I do think it, it came down to more realistic sense of we understand that these are all human beings at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, my constant need to get X, Y, Z done at this point in time, it isn't realistic anymore. So I think that boundary that was set there, I think it was, it was actually really, really healthy uh, to have, to kind of put a pause on the way that people were interacting with one another sort of pre-pandemic and put things more into perspective of the fact that these are people, you know, at the end of the day who yeah. have limitations and families, you know, if sitting here, you know, a dog walks by at the end, you know, in the middle of the Zoom call, your kids come and, you know, meet you, that kind of thing. You yeah. know, that's just <laughs> the reality of, of everybody's current situation. And I think, you know, it just put that perspective in their eyes. And so I think, you know, my relationships with my clients are even stronger of, of having to kind of go for this past year. Um, and I do really appreciate, like I said earlier, um, you know, in this conversation at the beginning of their careers, I 
really do enjoy the educational aspect of the job and what's going on. You know, if I'm giving you a gigantic report that you don't understand, I need to put this into a medium that you are going to be able to say, okay, I understand this. I'm educated about it. I know what my goals are and I can clearly see how this is going on. Um, and I'd say that those are probably the most meaningful relationships I get at the end of the day. Yeah, no, I, I agree with a lot, uh, a lot of what you're saying. I, you know, one of the things I point out to the, the folks on my team is that a lot of our clients aren't generally, even some of their advisors aren't, aren't, uh, you know, frequent consumers of legal information. So, you know, communicating our advice, our expertise, uh, our recommendations, you know, has to come from a place of ensuring that they understand, you know, the, the goals, the message, uh, and the value, right. Cause it's not, um, it's not like we're sitting across someone who, who gets this advice, uh, you know, every, every week of the year, right. This is typically something new. Um, and we want to make sure they completely understand what we're, what we're doing for them. So a lot of, a lot of what you say, uh, hits home for me, but, um, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to end us there. I, I probably will come up with a, a, a few more questions as soon sure, as sure. we're meeting, but, um, <laughs> I, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. I, I think it was, it was fun to learn more about uh, what you do from your uh, perspective. I think, uh, you know, when people sit on the opposite side of you, they make assumptions about what you do and they don't necessarily get it right. And I, I would Absolutely. say uh, in this case, it was a little, you know, I didn't fully understand certain facets of your career and, uh, and the advice you provide. So it's really, really helpful. Well, hey, thanks for having the conversation. I really appreciated it. Uh, it was great speaking with you.